All right, everybody, welcome into the Auburn Live Football Show. Appreciate everybody for joining us. I'm Justin Hokinson. With me, as always, is Cole Pinkston. Cole, what's up, man? Anything going on? Uh, you know, the use. Actually, no, not the use. Um, a lot of recruits. A lot of recruits. A lot of game bre- breakdown to be done. Trying to balance it a little bit. We're going to get it all done, don't worry. Uh, but there are, as I said about Hugh Freeze and recruiting and, and, and calling plays, there's only so many hours in the day. Yeah. The good thing is it's a bye week. So it's a good week to sort of uh, yeah. focus on recruiting a little bit. You got, we got some time to pump out some recruiting content, um, at auburnlive.com. Make sure you go check that out. Auburnlive.com. One dollar gets you a month. Uh, we ran a special last week. I hope people took advantage of the half-off annual. Um, I don't know when they'll do that again, but you can still go get a month, your first month, if you're a new subscriber for a buck. So go check that out if you can. Um, AuburnLive.com. Quickly, shout-out to Session Cocktail, sponsor of the show. Session Cocktail, downtown uh, Auburn, right there on Magnolia Avenue next to Taco Mama. Um, awesome place for drinks. Had some drinks on Friday night there. Um, great spot. Um, they're busy, <clears throat> busy. Um, they have booth seating and bar seating. It's not a stand-up place, and so you can get comfortable, have, get a group of people, have some good cocktails, happy hour, four to six, all that good stuff. So go check out Session Cocktail in downtown Auburn. Appreciate them being a, <clears throat> a part of the show and a sponsor of the show. Um, all right, let's jump into this game. Um, by the way, I'm in a different place. A different place. I sold my desk, sold my office desk, so I'm in the I'm in the middle of like rearranging stuff, so I don't have a a, a good desk spot. So if you're like, what <laughs> is happening? Where is he? That's what's that's what's going on. I'm in my like dining a, room, living room area. It's um, a cool design. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good spot. So that's what's going on. I don't have my normal decor in the back. Um, <clears throat> and yes, Zach, I got it. Um, I, I was I literally thought about that, Zach, in the back. Um. All right, let's jump into Georgia-Auburn, 27-20. Pretty even game for three quarters. Georgia owned the fourth quarter, pulled away. Auburn couldn't keep pace. Um, and uh, tight, tight game. A lot of good things to take from it, I think, if you're Auburn. A lot of good things. Definitely some negatives. Um, but I think I think far more positives in this one to take away than, than negatives. As we always do, we just kind of – Kick things off with some initial thoughts, Cole. What's sort of at the top of your head, and then I'll go as well, sort of the top of your head, um, following Auburn's seven-point loss to the number one team in the country. Well, I try to litter the board with thoughts as as often as possible, so that our subscribers at Auburn Live know what we're thinking and, and what you know what we're seeing from from the press box, from you know a standpoint where. I have an idea about what might be going on. And I had a sneaking suspicion that every single play was not on Peyton Thorne last week. Now, a lot of them were, don't get me wrong, against A&M. But it seemed like maybe people were out of position at times. Receivers weren't weren't where they were supposed to be. And let me tell you, if that's the case, Yes, you sh- you shouldn't be scared as a quarterback. You can't play scared. You're going to lose every time. But you also have to know that your teammates are going to be where they're supposed to be to make things work. And if they're not, then that's going to make you nervous, especially when you got people bearing down on you. 
So the game plan this week was really telling to me. They took a lot out of the receivers' hands this week. They took the trust out of their hands, I thought. That that was what I needed to know. I think that confirmed a lot for me. Uh, and, and what they saw was very similar to what I saw, that, you know, a couple of things with the routes just weren't right. And I don't know who that's on. It's just it's just the way it is right now. And quarterback's never going to get better if that's the case. So they had to do some things to get them rolling. Thought the um, two-quarterback system actually worked and worked well because if you're going to run the ball like that with the quarterback, when you throw your passing threat back in, it loosens up the box a little bit, and then you can run the ball with him. And he ran well, Peyton Thorne. Both quarterbacks made good reads. I thought both quarterbacks made a lot of good reads. Brian Batty continues to impress me. Offensive line continues to impress me in the run game. And, you know, it's so tough what they're having to do with the with the pass protection because defenses are unloading on them. And it's almost not fair, but that's the way it is. That's That's, you know, when you don't have a passing threat in your offense, that's what they're going to do. So, <clears throat> once again, you know, defensive coordinator on the other side knew what to do to take away certain things from Auburn's offense, but it was not as much as the week before, and that's the biggest progress I saw. <clears throat> um, yeah, I think Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery, you know, I think they squeezed as much as they could out of this offense in that game given where they currently are, which is a team that's got capable running backs, capable running quarterbacks, a decent offensive line, receivers that have have not shown the, the ability to be consistent at all in anything they do. And, you know, in addition to the turnovers, they win time of possession. Um, they don't turn the ball over. I think something that's being overlooked in this game is – no turnovers from Auburn and no penalties. Not one. The only penalty on Auburn was an offsides on Jarquez Hunter on a kickoff. That's it. The only penalty Auburn committed all day. A week after committing 10 against Texas A&M. So I, that's an underrated part of this game that nobody's talking about. That's a huge plus. To go from 10 penalties to zero in a, in a week span against a team like Georgia, that, that's, that's, a, that's a big deal. That's awesome. And if, if they can keep that going, that's, that's huge. I mean – to expect no turnovers every game is, is tough. You're going to have one. Well, I'll say no. Peyton Thorne had a pick at the end, but I don't really I don't really count that because, one, the receiver fell down. Two, it was on fourth down. Game on the late day. He had to throw the ball. He had to throw the ball. It's, yeah. I don't, it's not really a turnover in the course of a game that changed things. He, he, had, he had no choice. It was fourth down, and Jay Fair fell, and it was just it is what it is. Um, right. I don't consider that a turnover in the same way I would consider a, a bad decision on a read or something like that. Um, and so um, I thought they played a pretty clean game and did what they needed to do running the football. Uh, Peyton Thorne led all rushers with 90-something yards. I think if you took Peyton Thorne out, I think Auburn probably averaged three th high threes yards per carry or something with the running backs, which isn't awesome, but – Again, I thought they grinded against a team like Georgia. I thought they grinded and, and, and did the best thing. They weren't they didn't get completely stuffed. Um they did enough to, to have to break off some runs and move the chains. 
defensively, I mean, I think the defense played about the way they've played all year, which is pretty good against the run. Gave up a few big plays. We've talked about it against uh, A&M, and they did it again. They just they played pretty well, and then they give up these big explosive plays that that um, that really hurt them, especially through the passing game. Of course, we all know what happened in that fourth quarter. Carson Beck throws for a buck fifty in the fourth quarter. One hundred twenty of them went to Brock Bowers, which is crazy. Um, and so, but again, I think all in all, the defense did about as much as they mm-hmm. could do. I continue to be just really impressed with Auburn's ability to hang to, to defend the run. That that is that was not. I mean, I'll say it again. I did not think that group was gonna is capable of doing this and heading into the season. I thought it was gonna be their weak point. I think you and I both agreed on that. Like depth wasn't there. We just weren't sure. But they continue to be pretty good. Marcus Harris had a fantastic game. Seven tackles, two tackles for loss. He forced the fumble to start the second half. To get a pass deflection, he 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 was he was awesome. But Auburn continues to do really good against the run. Um, as far as Peyton Thorne, you know, I think it was ten of nineteen. Um, but rewatching that game last night, you know, you can always nitpick, but but there definitely were some balls that should have been caught. Um, the 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 back shoulder throw to Malcolm Johnson on third and sixteen was in his hands. I'll give I'll give the Georgia DB credit for punching it loose, but that ball is in Malcolm's hands, um, and it was a pretty good back shoulder throw, and it was a good adjustment by Malcolm. Maybe that's one where you just say good play by the Georgia DB, but that was in his hands, and you'd love to come down with that one. That would have been a massive conversion um, on a third and sixteen. You had a deep ball to Revolta Fairweather, where Fairweather used his body, got and turned turned, got in position. Couldn't quite get that arm over, but again, ball hits him in the hand, hits him in the hands. Um, there was a play third quarter that remember you and I both talked. about We were like, was that a good throw? It was an okay throw, but again, hit the receiver in the hands on kind of a slant route that was incomplete. Um, you missed Jay Fair on the last possession, a um, little high, but like hit him in the hands. So Peyton Thorne was not bad. There's definitely a number of those passes that could have been caught. And of course there were two pass interferences as well. So, you know, receivers make a couple plays there and the game's different too um, on some balls that hit him in the hands, but all in all, I don't think you can ask much more for what Auburn did offensively and defensively to shorten that game. You just, Georgia has a guy that's better than everybody else and Brock Bowers. And I credit Auburn for hanging in there as long as they did and credit the atmosphere and, I think there's a lot to a lot to a lot to build on. I don't I don't I don't know where like where would you go to? I mean, you could be critical, I guess, of of the pass coverage and and how they dealt with Brock Bowers in the second half. That's probably the most intriguing thing. Maybe if you if you're trying to look for answers, Ron Roberts comes out on social media right after the game and call and and replies to a fan who is criticizing their coverage and says. Um, I don't know what you were watching, but we were bracketing him all game, Brock Bowers. Hugh Freeze said afterwards, you know, they tried to mix the coverages up and bracketed him some, played man some. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, Brock Bowers is going to do that against a lot of teams, man. I mean, he, a couple of those catches were one-handed. I mean, I, you know, sometimes you got to give credit to the guy for making plays. Surely. And, and I want to address the whole – Ron Roberts defense tweet debacle. Okay. I I think um 
Well, you and I, Justin, we sat up there and we watched them throw, you know, I call it the bench concept, several different corner route concepts to Lad McConkey. Like, he'd come in the game, he'd run that, that route, they'd yeah. throw it to him, and then he's gone. All right, good. You did your job. I know you're kind of hobbled. That was a good, good play. Well, that was the only thing Georgia could throw for a little while because they were doubling Brock Bowers over the middle. <laughs> so guess where the open spot was, guys? It was on the corner. Okay. You can't let them keep throwing the corner, can you? No. You're going to get thrown on all day. They'll just keep throwing it. Corner, 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 corner. Try to stop it. All right, so you try to stop it. Guess what? You have to take somebody off of Brock Bowers. That's what they did in the fourth quarter. And what does that all boil down to? In my opinion, Georgia has more dudes on offense. They have guys that can get open. They know the process on offense. They know how to set you up. Mike Bobo does, too, by the way. Don't take anything away from him. He's a good play caller. Mm-hmm. Agreed. All right. On that, on the other side of the coin, I felt um, on the two third downs in the end, when Ron Roberts only brought four. Uh, in, in other words, he did not send a blitz at all. Okay, he he was trying to let his four pass rushers get there, but he was really dropping into coverage. It's more, I needed more in coverage, is what he was thinking there. And I understand that logic. I got no problem with the logic. But what I what I don't like is it seemed very uncharacteristic of Ron Roberts to do that. It's like you send all these blitzes, and I love you for it. Like that's that's the way I, I like a play caller to be on defense. But when you get in the crucial moment, you take it back a little bit, and you go, all right, let's play it safe here. I just don't I don't love that thought because look, you're the underdog anyway, Auburn. Okay, they got more than you on, on offense. You know at, at any point they can try to exploit you by throwing it, uh, uh, you know, a back shoulder to Brock Bowers or just throw it up and see if he can one-hand snag it. At any point they can do that. Why not just throw everything you got at him, at Carson Beck? I know. Look, I know. He made some great plays when he was under pressure. He had a little hot route that he'd throw right behind the blitz. He had his little drag that he kept hitting. One time when Eugene Asante got a great hit on him, he got the drag. He got it out quick. The dude mm-hmm. knows what to do under pressure. But if you sit back and let them pick you apart, they're going to score anyway, right? That's all I'm saying. I just I feel like that maybe on those two plays, do what got you here. And that's that's sort of my complaint with a lot of a lot of coaches. It's it's almost like you get in these situations. And I said this about Hugh Freeze with the play calling at. Texas A&M, and the play calling at Cal. You know, don't forget what got you here. You got here by running the back shoulders. You got here by running the RPOs, the quarterback runs. Yeah. Well, he remembered that in this game. Hugh Freeze was running that stuff. Philip Montgomery was running that stuff. Whoever's calling it, whoever made the game plan, they did it. All right. Uh, I think that was a good learning experience for Ron Roberts, and he's been there forever. But, but you know, you've never been at Auburn. This is your fifth game at Auburn. So I think I think you learn something about what your team is. You learn something new about your team every year because you have new personnel every year, more than ever now with the transfer portal, of course, and you're a new coach here. 
I don't think he would do that again if given the chance. I think he'd send some. I think he'd send some pressure. I really do. Yeah, and you and I talked about it up there, and I wondered. I'd have to go back and study every possession, but I did. You know, I did wonder late second half as that game rolled on if Ron Roberts dialed back any of the pressures and stuff because as that game rolls on, Auburn's hanging on, hanging around. They're hanging around. It's it's 17-17 going into the fourth quarter. And was there a point where Ron Roberts thought, okay, I'm going to dial back the pressure because my goal now is to make sure that they don't score quickly. Like, we're in this thing. My goal now is if, if if I give up yards, I give up yards. But if that means we stay in this game longer, we only got 15 minutes, 20 minutes to go. So be it. I don't know that. It was just a. It was just a. You know, thinking out loud about how that game went on was was Ron Roberts thinking. Just anything to to shorten the game and 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 if they go score, fine. But I, last thing I can do is give up a three play drive and a big play, and then now all of a sudden we're you're down seven with 14 minutes to go, and you're like, oh boy. They could they could still tack on another touchdown, and you're like, we can't do, um, we can't score twice, you know. So I I'd, I'd wondered that, um, and I don't I don't know if that's true. Um, what is uh, what is probably your biggest um, thing that you're going to take from the game looking forward? Um, I know you got to write some recruiting stuff, and so we'll we'll let you do that. But you got LSU, you got Ole Miss coming up, you got a bye week, obviously. Um, offensively, you've got to figure something out. You're not going to LSU. I know LSU's and Ole Miss defense aren't anything special, but you know they're good enough. And Auburn's Auburn's offense has just been so anemic. But those offenses are so good. You better figure out a way to score, or you're just not going to have a much of a shot to win those games if you don't think you can go score 28. Um, and right now, I'm not sure Auburn's offense. I don't know how confident they are. So what's kind of a takeaway for you or something that you're taking away into this bye week with LSU and Ole Miss on the horizon, um, offensively or defensively, that you think they can build on to set themselves up to a a step forward, getting a little bit better, where you think they could go to Baton Rouge or come home against Ole Miss and win one of those games or be competitive? Well, I think the bottom line now, I have a couple of answers. Uh, Number one, I know that Auburn can win any game on its schedule now because it can stop the run and they can run the football. So those two things can lead you to wins. What what could stop them from winning some of these games is the lack of a passing game. I really don't think anything on defense is going to be a reason why they would drop a game, just drop one. Hey, that's a loss. No doubt going in this week, Auburn can't win that game. I, I don't look at the defense and go, they're they're not helping Auburn here. I think – Defense is going to keep Auburn in the game and all of the games left on the schedule. Offensively, you, you saw it last year. Honestly, the offensive game plan looked a lot like what, what it did with Robbie Ashford at times last year when Cadillac took over as, as head coach. Um, I I know you can't win with that offense because you're going to get in situations where you have to throw the football Auburn did at the end, and you saw what happened. He ended up throwing the only pick of the game. Um, and, and they got in that, that passing situation. In other words, they just couldn't convert trying to throw the ball. And they're not going to be able to do that right now. they got to find a way to do it if they want to win some of these games that are toss-ups still. 
And I truly believe if they can make some – just, again, a few plays. You get a few of those plays back, and, and your passing game looks a lot better. So you're a few plays away is, is all I'm saying, which is not a terrible place to be. It's not ideal, but it could be so much worse with the situation and, and the roster rebuild you got going on right now. So a lot of the things that I saw are really, really pleasing as far as uh, progress goes. But you stay in games because you can stop the run and run the football. You can't stay in games because you can't throw the ball. At some point, something's got to give there. So right now, I think Auburn can win some of these games on the back half. Yeah, I think there's, I think there's a chance as well. Yeah, Not, not yeah. New Mexico State. Not I mean some of the toss-ups, Arkansas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True toss-ups. So, yep. All right, man. Go knock out some recruiting. All right. Um, see you, dude. We'll keep talking a little bit as we go uh, forward. We'll see if we can get Zach in the back in here as well, give some opinions and stuff. Definitely. Definitely. Get Zach in here. He knows what he's talking about, man. All right. See you. All right. See you. All right. Cole's going to go do some recruiting things. We're going to keep talking um, Auburn football. Zach, the thing that stood out uh, in, in, in that Georgia game, too, and Hugh Freeze said afterwards, Third down. That's where, I mean, really, that's where Auburn won and lost that football game. Georgia was 8 of 13 on third down. Auburn was 2 of 12. Um, going back to last week, I think Texas A&M was 5 of 12 or something like that converting. Auburn Auburn was playing really good third down defense. It didn't happen against Georgia. They just, they just, they just couldn't get them off the field. Georgia's got enough weapons, whether it's a quarterback, running back, Brock Bowers, Ladd McConkey. It was just tough to to, to stop them. Um, part of that is Auburn really never got Georgia in first and long or second and long. Um, you know, they they had a, a good number of tackles for loss. Auburn did in that game, but they never really got Georgia in first and fifteen, second and fifteen. Um, Georgia just kind of steadily marched, and it just produced a lot of third down opportunities, but it produced a lot of third and shorts. I think Georgia's average to go on third down was just like five yards whereas Auburn was, was was more like eight. But for Auburn, that's two weeks in a row. I think they were three of 12 against A&M on third down and now two of th- or three of 15, and I think they were two of 12 against Georgia. So you're talking about five of 27 on third down the last two games. It's honestly a miracle that Auburn won time of possession in those two games. How in the world did Auburn hold the ball for over 30 minutes while converting only five third downs um, in, in these in these two games? I mean, it's kind of incredible. Obviously, they're running the ball a lot, and so that's eating time up. But still, to win time of possession and you only convert two third downs in the entire football game, to have 300 yards of offense against Georgia and you only converted two third downs the whole game is a wild stat. Um, And it just goes back to the passing game. I mean, if they're third and one, third and two, they can maybe manage that. But really, anything that's third and five or more, they don't have the receivers, they don't have the passing game, and they can't protect. They don't feel like they can protect long enough to convert anything to make anything. I think one of the third downs might have been Peyton scrambling or something like that. What did you think watching about Auburn's inability on those um, on those third downs and really just kind of the anemic passing game, the lack of confidence in that passing game? I think it, I think it ties together because to get in those third and shorts, you also have, have to have the ability to make the defense be honest. And because Georgia knew Auburn probably wasn't going to take many shots on first and second down because they couldn't afford to, 
it really left them in those third and long situations. So I think it's all tied together. And I think Kirby and that defensive staff, they're way too good. They're way too good of coaches to, to have a, a simplified offense on the other side. So I think Auburn has to find a way to establish more confidence in not just Peyton Thorne, but the wide receivers to take those early deep shots. Because even going back to the Gus days, you saw you saw those big shots with Darius Slayton and some of those other big-time wide receivers that Auburn had. The Seth Williams, you were able to take those shots on first and second down because you've trusted wide receivers to go win those matchups. But Auburn doesn't have that right now. And plus, every time they go to pass, like Cole said, Georgia or whoever the opponent is is bringing the house every play. And do you trust your offensive line to to hold up in those situations? So I think Auburn's inability to push the ball down the field really sets them up for failure on those third down opportunities. Yeah, it's interesting looking at these stats from Georgia. Um, Georgia was one of three on third downs that were one to four yards. They were two of four on nine plus, which is, I mean, you know, it's only four, but you, to to let a team convert 50% of their opportunities on nine-plus yards to go on third down, that's not good. Um, and then you're looking at, what does that mean, five, five of six on five to eight yards. So you, you had six six times you had Georgia in that five to eight, third down and five to eight yards, and you let them convert five of six. Um, that's tough. That's tough, and and that and that area is kind of one of those spaces where they, I guess, you know, you, they could kind of do a number of things. You're not sure if they're going to drop back. They could throw a screen. They could throw, run a draw. They could. There's a lot of things I guess they could do in that scenario, but um, that was make or break. I mean, Georgia five of six on those third and five to third and eight plays. Meanwhile, Auburn was one of five on third downs that were one to four yards. So they had five different chances to convert a third down that was four yards or less, and they only converted once. Um, that is not good. I was wrong. Georgia actually averaged 7.4 yards to go on third down. Auburn averaged 7.2. Um, mm. So Georgia actually did average seven yards to go on, on those third downs. But third down passing, Georgia, 8 of 10, 115 yards. 8 of 10 for 115 yards. On third down, Georgia was passing. Auburn on third down, passing two for four, 15 yards. Seven of Georgia's first downs, seven of their eight conversions were through the air. So of their eight third down conversions, seven were through the air in the pass game, which is on that side of the ball, it goes back to what Hugh Freeze talked about. Inability to rush with four, inability to get pressure. And Rod Roberts, I mean, making the decision some couple times to blitz, but probably to sit back, and it burned them. Um, and so they got to figure out. They got to figure out in those third downs. Are we gonna, are we coming or going? I mean, I, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know if sitting back's the the answer and, and letting these guys can you know these teams continue to to convert to convert third downs at that rate. Um, but Auburn two of twelve is is uh, again that's wild um, that Auburn was able to hold the ball for thirty minutes, score twenty points in that game, put up three hundred yards of offense. Um, while uh, converting just just two just two first downs, I think the struggle now is going to be um, you got LSU and Ole Miss coming up. You could very well face four games in a row that you lose in conference. And if that happens, where's your team at? Um, you want to make sure that everybody's still engaged um, as they go through this stretch. I think, like Cole mentioned, and we've talked about on the site before, that stretch of that stretch of 
Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, Arkansas is going to be make or break for the season. Three games in a row that are probably going to decide whether Auburn goes um, whether Auburn goes bowling or not. I'll say the biggest thing that I'm taking out of this Auburn Georgia game from a positive is it's something I ranted on last week, which is identity. Offensively, to come out of A&M and go, I don't know what our identity is four games into the season is unacceptable. I think you come out after Georgia, and you heard, you heard Hugh Freeze talk about it. He said, we're going to have to be that team that runs it in a lot of different ways. I think what you saw against Georgia is what they're going to have to be. I think he knows that now. Figure out if the receivers can come along. Figure out if you can pass the ball a little bit. Maybe you can get better. But for now, that offense is going to be how can we run the ball 40 times in as many creative ways as we can. Robbie, Peyton, Jarquez Hunter, Brian Batty, Jeremiah Cobb, Demari Austin when he comes back. How can we be as creative as we can running the football, increase our efficiency passing the football to some degree, you had some drops in that Georgia game that could have been big plays. Those, that passing, this bat, passing game could have had 150 yards. A couple of those drops go the other way. But I do think they're going to come out of this with some identity on, okay, this is what we are. We, we can't force the passing thing. We can't force even the RPO stuff. I, you know, if the passing game's not there, we can run some of it, but we're just going to have to be a run-heavy team. And if, if, you, if they figured that out, a lot of good things can happen from that by figuring out what your identity is. What do you what do you think, Zach? Do you think do you think they come out of that going, okay, for better or worse, this is what we are, and we have to stick with this, or do you think they go into the bye week and and try to fix the passing game and go to Baton Rouge and try to kind of reinvent what this thing is, or do you say just forget it? We, this is what we are, and Peyton, you might throw the ball eleven times every game. That might be it. Yeah, I think you got to lean on the, the the rushing attack, especially with the question marks at wide receiver. Because I feel like we both, when you look back at this game, those third down attempts, Lad McConkey, Brock Bowers just went out there and made some plays. Auburn doesn't have that guy right now. Now, Rivaldo Fairweather's made a few. Jay Fair's shown some flashes. But Auburn doesn't have that guy where Hugh Freeze is in the huddle saying, I know I can go to this guy when I need a play made. Auburn doesn't have that, but they have it in the running back room. But T looked good. We know what Jarquez is. Damari Austin, before his, um, before his injury, was doing really well. I think you have to run the football. I'll be honest. I don't see Auburn winning many games if they don't make a push to 150, 200 yards rushing. If, they, if the run game isn't clicking, I just have a hard time seeing this offense having enough explosiveness through the air right now to make something work. I think when you look at this LSU team that's coming up next – Ole Miss has a lot of weapons. Let's not let's not get that confused. Quinshawn Juckins and those guys are amazing. But LSU's defense isn't world beaters. The secondary has been very questionable throughout the season. The front seven has been inconsistent. Harold Perkins is getting banged up. Auburn has – I think they're going to have some chances to establish the rushing attack. And now you look at Peyton Thorne and said – and just tell him, don't, don't turn the football over. Don't make those mistakes that are going to cost us the game. Just don't crash the car. We're going to establish the rushing attack, and we just need you to be consistent enough and make one, two, three throws in a game to help us put us in position to win the game going down into the fourth quarter. Yeah, there's no question about it. Uh, real quick before we continue on, quick shout-out to GameTime.co, sponsor of the show, GameTime.co, your best source for last-minute tickets for sporting events and comedy shows, concerts, and all that good stuff. Go to GameTime.co. Use the promo code WARIGLE. Get 20% off. Um, go check them out. They also have a refund kind of guarantee where if you find tickets that are a better price, 
get 110% of that gap, uh, that margin, you get that back. So go check out GameTime.co, a great deal for last-minute tickets and all of that good stuff as the college football season rolls on, the fall gets going, concerts, and all that good stuff. GameTime.co. Um, I was looking at third downs, by the way, Zach, third down passing um, for Peyton Thorne. Third and six, third and 16 in the uh, third quarter. Interesting, by the way, they didn't attempt a third down pass until the third quarter, Peyton Thorne. Um, they had third downs before that, but they didn't try to run the ball. They didn't try to pass on a third down until the third quarter. Um, that was the incompletion of Malcolm Johnson where, 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 where Malcolm had the ball in his hands. It got knocked loose. Then you had a third and four to Rod- Rivaldo Fairweather, a little stop route. You gained 11 yards. Then you had a third and six to Rivaldo where you throw it. Um, Rivaldo came back, bobbled a little bit, and they only got four yards on the play. And then you had the third and nine on the very last possession of the game, the the, the slant route to Jay Fair that you didn't connect on. I mean, so Auburn, very easily, that could have been four for four, third down passing, um, if you look at how close those were. Um, But, yeah, you're going to face some teams, and we talked about early in the season. You toss in Arkansas and some of these teams that can score, and offensively Auburn's going to have to get some stuff going. But I do think, look, if they can lean on this identity, run the football, um, and shorten the games, you got a shot. The other part of that Georgia game is two turnovers. So the other part of this equation is what happens in a game where you don't commit it, you don't force a turnover. You know, 14 of Auburn's 20 points were directly off the, those two turnovers. They, they resulted in short fields and touchdowns. So that's the other part of this equation offensively is I like what Auburn did. I like the identity, the commitment to it. Um, I think there's something there that that kind of mix running the ball 70% of the time is, a, is what they probably need to be right now. And then, but then they've got to connect on the passes when they're there. They didn't do that against Georgia. There were some plays to be made in the air that weren't made. Um, but even if you do all that, you still this offense still needs a turnover or two on the other side. Now I know that LSU and Ole Miss aren't aren't Georgia's defense, but um, those teams can score. And so that's just kind of where Auburn is right now. They, I thought they improved. I thought they got better. I thought they proved a lot to themselves. I thought the, I thought this is the first time where you can walk away from an Auburn game if you're the coaching staff and feel like, okay, I think I learned a lot. I think you learned some in, against A&M. Cal's not very good, so I just don't I, – that's why I kept saying those first three games. I just didn't I, – I, I know Auburn won them, but I kept coming away going, I don't, I don't know how much I learned. They're just not the kind of caliber of team that shows you a lot. A&M, you learned a little bit. Georgia, you learned a lot. And so now you can go into the bye week, I think, with two really good tests against A&M and Georgia, loaded with talent on the trenches. Um, and you can, and you can, I think, evaluate your team and, and learn a lot. But they just one of those teams right now that the margin of error is just really, really slim for Auburn. Offensively, it's got to go their way. They have to run the ball. They need to force a turnover or two on defense. Um, to have a chance. And if any of the combination of things don't go well, the chances of winning is just slim. Um, you know, I mean, maybe a team like Mississippi State or Vanderbilt, you can af- afford to not have your A game because I think you've still got a roster that's better than theirs. But um, but for the most part, the margin of error is just really slim. The challenge, I think, is going to be getting this team now to play to to what play the way you did against Georgia every game. Can you get them to have that kind of effort? 
you will against LSU. It's in Baton Rouge. That'll be a night game. But when you come play Mississippi State, when you go on the road to Nashville, when you go to Fayetteville, can you those three games? Can you get them up to the standard of what they just played at Georgia? And if they, if you can, I think you have a great chance of winning those three games and and getting to six. And then and then and then you know let's see what happens against Ole Miss at home. Let's see what happens against Alabama um, at home to end the, to end the season. The thing about the Alabama game, not to look too far ahead, is yes, I think Auburn will be a better team by the time they play Alabama. But Alabama will be better, I think, than where they probably are. And Alabama's going to have all this film on how Auburn's turned into this running football team. Like, I think Georgia, to some degree, was not like, what exactly? Are they going to be RPO? Are they? I think the more they go on, there's going to be more film about what Auburn wants to do running the ball. So it kind of puts more onus on trying to be efficient in the passing game when they can. Because these other teams are going to watch, which it will watch the game playing against Georgia and say, okay, this is what they are. They're going to try to run the ball 70% of the time in a bunch of different ways. Here's all the ways they're going to do it. And I think the opponents going forward are going to have a little bit more tape than maybe Georgia did um, in terms of how Auburn wants to run the football. Um, what do you, what are you thinking about Auburn going into this bye week, Zach? What do you, what are you thinking they need? What's the biggest thing that needs to happen, you think, in the next two weeks? You've got to develop an edge rusher eventually. You got to find that guy who can be be someone to go get the quarterback. In the SEC, you cannot win if you can't get pressure on the quarterback with your defensive line. You can't consistently rely on specialized blitzes, schemed up blitzes, or anything like that. You just got to go get the quarterback sometimes and play in coverage. I will say though, I don't know how you feel. I felt like this week was super important for Auburn, especially how they played because. Coming off that A&M loss, I don't know how you felt. I felt like the fan base, some of the energy around the program was kind of sucked out by the way Auburn lost that A&M game. Hugh Freeze being able to go back in the locker room and say, listen, we were seven points away from knocking off the number one team in the country, and we didn't even play our best game. That's good for momentum going into the bye week because now, like you were kind of talking about earlier, just instilling that confidence that this team could compete with LSU on the road. It can compete in Ole Miss in a few weeks when they come to Jordan Hare and what's probably going to be one of the biggest games of the year. Then you still got the, the Mississippi States to Arkansas. You don't think the guys in the locker room think they can go beat the Arkansas to Ole Miss, the Vandys after the way they competed against Georgia. The key for Hugh Freeze is how do you carry over the momentum from this Georgia game through the bye week and use that momentum to kind of help spark a second half of the season improvement? Because I, I, I don't I'm going to toss it to you, but I felt like you saw a huge step forward for this team from what we saw last week in A&M to what we saw this week in Georgia. Now, like you said, is it a true improvement or is this Auburn playing juiced up because it was Georgia, it was a rivalry game at home? Can you carry that to Death Valley against LSU? That's going to be the biggest thing for Hugh Freeze is if he can continue that momentum. I think think that – I think a couple things. I think one home crowd absolutely juiced the team up, no question. Two, they didn't turn it over, which they did against Cal. Three, they didn't commit penalties, which they did against A&M. We talked about that last week. I talked when, when Cole and I talked, and we did on the Modcast. I said, look, there's some things about this offense that can't be cleaned up in a week, but there's some things that can be cleaned up in a week, and they did those things, which was don't turn it over, don't commit penalties. The other one that – could at least start to be cleaned up in a week or start to be figured out is an identity, which I thought they took a step in the right direction. They're not all the way there. It's just one week. But I think Hugh Freeze was super involved. It was so evident on the sideline. Play sheet in hand, which he generally has a play sheet, but I'm so, 
it watching him on the sidelines against Georgia, it looked like he was the offensive coordinator. He would he didn't just have the play sheet. He was constantly talking into his microphone. He was constantly holding the play sheet above his face, which means he's communicating play calls. He's not just having a discussion. He's saying play calls, which is what, you know, so nobody reads the lips. So he was clearly, if not calling more plays, just heavily, heavily involved in communicating throughout that game. He said afterwards there was not one call on the sheet that I didn't approve going into the game, which is what they do for people that aren't aware. When you create the game plan, you go into every week. You don't go into every week with your entire playbook. You go into the week and you figure out, you watch film on the defense, you figure out what's your game plan going to be going in, and you condense the playbook down, and you go into the game with X number of plays. If you've got a playbook of, I'm just obviously using an example, if you've got 100 plays in your playbook, you're going to go, okay, we're going into this game with our best, you know, 60. Here's, here's the 60 that we're taking. Everything else doesn't apply to this game because of the defense or what, you know, our strengths, their weaknesses, vice versa. So everything that was on the call sheet going into this game, he approved, every play. So there wasn't a play on that was, that was going to be run that he didn't like. Now, you could talk about timing of the play, things like that, but he knew going in there was not a play that was going to be called that he didn't think they had the ability to execute efficiently. Um, but he was clearly more involved. And so I, there's some things that, that I do think they figured out, and then there's just some things that can't be fixed receivers, um, and just kind of their overall development. Um, Peyton Thorne in, in protection still got sacked on an edge rusher. That happened again. Uh, Hugh Freeze said afterwards he's, Peyton Thorne's got to figure out where his hot reads are. A couple of times where Georgia was bringing pressure. And uh, I guess Peyton Thorne didn't uh, know or feel comfortable in, in releasing the football quickly, which Hugh Freeze Talked about at halftime, going into halftime, he said every time we're dropping back, they're bringing pressure. And so then when they would bring pressure, Peyton Thorne um, wasn't sure where to go, which kind of goes back to something we've seen the last few weeks. He's just a little bit late on decisions, on getting rid of the football. It very rarely is it just clicking with Peyton Thorne. Get the snap. I know where I'm going. We're going. Like it's just a little bit. There's some hesitation there. So some of those things can be can be sort of worked out. But I think some of the foundational stuff they started to figure out. Play clean. Figure out your identity. And that was my biggest problem coming out of A&M. More than the execution, more than Peyton Thorne's vision or pocket presence was some foundational things that you didn't even have right. I think they took good steps there, and then now you can build on that. Go to LSU, do your best. The, the key is stick with what you've got now. If that means you go to LSU and get beat 35-17, so be it. But don't go to LSU and go back and say, well, we had two weeks and we go to Baton Rouge and then – Try to go back and to throw in the ball, or you got you had Georgia, now you got two weeks. You should go and you should roll into Baton Rouge, say completely confident, top to bottom in your program. Of everybody knows what 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 our identity is. Period, offensively and defensively, this is what we are. End of story. We're, we're, we know where we're at for the rest of this year. This is what we're doing. So that's kind of my my hope as they um, as they go into that game, get the, get some guys healthy and. Um, and create some confidence, you know, and knowing at least here's who we are, win or lose. Yeah, you got to feel good. I mean, we, we you guys talked about it in the podcast. I put it in the in the private chat in the podcast. Auburn scored more points this past weekend against Georgia than they did the past two Power Five games combined offensively. Yeah. They put up over 300 yards of total offense. You have a lot to 
be excited about moving forward. But I, I think I agree. And there's stuff to be excited about on both sides of the ball. You got the ru- the rushing attack. Eugene Asante has been an absolute stud for Auburn. Marcus Harris had his biggest game of the year. We know what Jalen Simpson, DJ James, and those guys in the secondary can do. You have a lot to build on. I do want to ask you though, because there was one call in the game that a lot of people were kind of questioning Hugh Freeze's his play call on that one. It was that third and fourth down early in the game where they went forward on fourth, got stuffed. Do you feel like that was – how did you feel about that call? I know the analytics say go for it, but when you got the number one team, you could take that lead. Would you have taken the field goal or did you, did you, have, did you like that play call and that aggressiveness by Freeze? Um, yeah, that was a tough one at the time. I, I put on our message board, first of all, the third down should have been converted. There was a hole off the right side where I think Jarquez got a little impatient and just and just darted. He just he just went straight into the line and figured I'm going to push forward and get a yard. There was a hole on the right side off Cam Stutz' butt, and then Xavier Miller had stretched out. There was a space right there. Now there was a Georgia defender that was probably half a yard beyond or a yard beyond the first down marker that was in the hole, but it would have been Jarquez versus a, a Georgia safety one on one for a yard. I'm taking Jarquez Hunter. He would probably get tackled, but Jarquez, Jarquez hits that hole, hits off to the side, makes a move, and probably stretches for He gets that first down. Um, and I th- so I thought he was impatient and just ran straight into, a, into where the, the mass of people were and missed an opportunity. The fourth down, I, I don't, I'm okay with the call. I mean, you're, 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 you know, all these coaches go by analytics now anyway. Um, but, you, you know, you are playing Georgia. You are playing the number one team in the country. and you know, can you imagine if he kicks that field goal and it comes back the other way and you lose by three or something, you know, and you're just like, so I, I don't know. I, I, you always want points, but that was early enough in the game where I'm, I don't think that if that was late in the game, no, because I think the more data you had as that game went on, you could say, okay, we're hanging around. Now I need points. That early in the game, second quarter, where you're going in your head, you're going, I still think Georgia might get to 30, and I'm sitting here at 10. So – how many chances do I get to be at the Georgia 10-yard line or 12-yard line is where they were? I'm okay with the call. You've had some success running the football. You send a message to your team. I, I'm okay. I, I kind of I think I think a lot of people's frustration was probably less about going for it and more about the way that drive started was Robbie Ashford was at quarterback ran around in for five or six yards. Then he stayed in. You ran the ball for three or four yards. And then it's third and one, and you bring Peyton Peyton Thorne in. I think that was a little confusing because you could have just left third and one. You could have left everybody in there and run tempo right then. You get boom, get right back to the line and pick this up. Instead, you bring Peyton in just to hand the ball off, and you let Georgia substitute and get aligned and get fresh and get ready for a big third down stop. And then it's fourth down, of course, and have the bad snap that really blew the play up. But I didn't love. Third and one, you got Robbie out there, you got Jarquez out there. Just do it again. Tempo. Just go. Go run it. Go run it again real quick. Don't even let them get locked. Go pick up a yard and convert. So I didn't like substituting Robbie after that when you're just going to. Oh, if that was. I don't know if that's a thinking of third down. We're going to bring Peyton in so Georgia has to respect play action. Um, Yeah, so I think they overthought that third down. And I, I think that's what they're thinking. You bring Peyton in on third down so that the defense has to wonder. It could be an RPO, 
So if I'm a linebacker or a safety, I need to wait. I need to wait till he hands off. But in that situation, I think going tempo after second down with Robbie in there and just leave, go hand off and convert would have been a better thing. I think making the substitution allowed Georgia to get lined up and 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 see. And then they stuff that third down, and then it puts you in a fourth down situation, and then you have a bad snap. So I was okay with fourth down. I didn't like how the sub substitution happened, and I didn't like how third down went. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that because you can go hurry up, try to get the third down with Robbie Jarquez, and if you get stopped just by chance, then I'm okay with you know making an adjustment, bringing in Thorne to kind of give the you know, are we going to pass it? Are we going to possibly run it? I, I, I always say take the points, but like you said, it's always analytical nowadays. And so I, I get going forward. And plus, if you get it, you break a big run or that ends up being the touchdown drive. Then we look back and say that might have been the call of the game. Yeah, the only way that comes into play is if 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 they would have convert on that last drive, if Auburn converts to Jay Fair and they get down to the 30-yard line and you're going, boy, it should be, sure be nice to be 27-26 right now. Because they also had the other opportunity um, where there was a second and nine in the third quarter where Peyton Thorne got sacked um, before the third and 16 that went to Malcolm Johnson Jr. There's second nine from 35. Well, that's 42-52. That's within Alex McPherson's range. So if it's second nine, you're thinking that that's the other thing that happened against A&M too. They got to be cognizant, whether it's Peyton Thorne. And I think on that second nine, I think Peyton Thorne actually saw the edge rusher and knew that guy was coming. And so that was the play where Peyton spun out and almost spun out of it. I actually think Peyton was anticipating it and was like, I'm going to let this guy, I know he's coming, and I'm going to spin out. And he almost did. Um, but that, that's one where they got to be more cognizant of, of field, field position, and they cannot keep going backwards. They get to the 30 or 35. That's the second week in a row they're taking sacks right there on the edge of field goal range, and they can't do that. If it means second nine, you're at the 35, and it means running the ball again on on second down to get you third and six or third and five. I mean, fine. I just they got to be a little bit more protective, or leave a tight end, or go max protect, or something right there when they get to that thirty to protect not getting a sack. If you're if you're closer, you can do that. But if you're at the twenty or twenty five, okay. If we get sacked, we're still in field goal range. But when they get right there on the edge, they need to make sure that they're still going forward and not um, dropping back and putting him in a tough spot. So, um, But that was tough. I mean, he had six points potentially taken off the board. Ended up not mattering because Auburn didn't get in field goal range anyway. Um, but it could have mattered down the stretch. That would have been interesting. So, no, I didn't, have a, I didn't have a problem with the call, fourth down call. I had a problem substituting Robbie out on that third down and the execution of how third down went for me. Um, all right. Well, I think we handled um, – most of that game, give Georgia a lot of credit for being really good. I thought Auburn did about as much as they could do, minus some mistakes, but I thought Auburn played pretty efficiently. I mean, you look across that game, Auburn had more tackles for loss. Auburn had more time of possession, more yards rushing. Total plays was even. Auburn forced more turnovers. You know, the one area where Auburn, Auburn didn't get to Connor Beck's sack, you know, Auburn had no sacks. Georgia had three. You know, Auburn put some pressure, but didn't really, not even really come close. I mean, Eugene Asante's hit was probably the closest they came to a sack. Um, and so, again, that goes back to Ron Roberts, I think, I think thinking he was just going to be very conservative on blitzing, I, I thought. He was not going to let them go to Bowers or McConkie or whatever and let this thing get out of hand. And I think that's the right call. I, I understand Ron Roberts 
style and I like his style and I'm with, you know, with Cole and what we were talking about earlier, but I, in this game, the way it was going, I'm okay with Ron Roberts deciding maybe to, to, to pressure a little bit less, rely on his front forward. They're not going to create a lot of sacks, but he also, he, he stretched the game out of thought a little bit until the fourth quarter happened. Maybe in the fourth quarter, you could say, okay, they're starting to find Bowers. There's a, you you got to get them out of rhythm. You got to figure out a way to get out of rhythm. But um, but I mean, there's a lot of stats in that game that I thought went Auburn's way. The main ones that didn't were third downs and in, in passing yards. But really, third downs was kind of the one. Couldn't get Georgia off the field, and Auburn couldn't convert on some thirds downs to uh, to keep some drives open. And and that was sort of the game. Um, yeah. What about you? Any so parting thoughts? Yeah, and some of those Bowers catches, let's, let's be honest, there were a few where it was just a coverage break and they made a good call. There mm-hmm. were some where he was he was draped yeah. in coverage and just yep. made a play. Like, at the end of the day, it really came down to that last drive that Georgia had Brock Bowers and Auburn did it. Like, that that was yeah. – Brock Bowers is making that play against 99% of the teams in the country. So, <laughs> give Auburn credit. Like I said, I think you got a lot of positive momentum going into the bye week. And now that LSU game is huge now because now we're going to find out did Hugh Freeze do enough to to continue to build on that momentum over the bye week? Yeah, and you're right on Bowers. He made a he made a back shoulder catch. Don McCoffin's all over him. He makes another one handed catch across the middle. He was open, but he made a one handed snag. He made some great catches, um, and then he had some catches where Auburn didn't have very tight coverage as well. Um, all right, make sure you go to auburnlive.com. Special shout-out to Session Cocktail, our main sponsor of the show. Go check them out on Magnolia Avenue, downtown Auburn, next to Taco Mama. Great drinks, great specials, happy hour, 4 to 6. As always, go check them out, Session Cocktail in downtown Auburn. Go to auburnlive.com. $1 gets you a month of access for free. Ton of football stuff, ton of recruiting stuff coming off the Georgia weekend. Basketball getting started. we got basketball content with practice uh, starting there, the Barkley and, and Pearl golf event will be happening this week, so we'll have some coverage of that. More comments from Bruce Pearl as well at AuburnLive.com. Auburn Live show, recruiting shows, all that good stuff this week. So go to AuburnLive.com. Check it out. Appreciate everybody joining us. We'll be back next time. See you.